Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of Movies Are Us. This is Sashi Mukherjee and as you know in the series of podcasts I talk to people from different walks of life, different professional backgrounds and different parts of the country and the world and understand how movies make a difference in their personal and professional lives. Today my guest is Habib Tehseen who's a student and he's currently pursuing his masters in German literature studies from JNU and he's going to tell me how the following three films namely Pickpocket directed by Robert Brezzo Wild Strawberries directed by Ingmar Bergman and Magnolia directed by Paul Thomas Anderson made a difference in his life or are special to him so welcome habib thank you for doing this and how are you doing today uh, thank you for having me and yeah i'm really looking forward to it Yeah. same year bro same year so habib uh, you are studying masters you're doing your masters in german yes. literature studies at jnu uh, tell me more about it give me an insight into it like how is it studying uh, this subject what do you study there and what are your plans so could you tell me more about that oh yeah sure uh, so basically my masters is in german literature so that means my focus is on basically theories of literature so different uh, hermeneutics formalism structuralism positivism marxism you know all those all these strains of theoretical interpretation of literature then we basically have uh, with different eras of literature that we study so we have uh, modern literature classical different era, epochs of literature that we uh study but the most interesting aspect of my course is maybe the film courses that we've done in the okay. past year so i had weimar cinema mm-hmm. and my previous semester uh that was very interesting as you know uh germany was a powerhouse uh during that period 1910s 20s 30s before the nazis came to power and this semester we are doing germany and the european union so we basically uh, are going through films of the new german cinema you know herzog wim wenders mm-hmm. i know when a fast bender yes margarita von trotter all these guys and we're basically seeing how the german national identity developed you know post war there was a big effort to reconstruct their identity and how that then got assimilated into the european union you know this identity of europe in the 90s post uh, fall of the wall that's very interesting i think that's the highlight of what i study we'll talk about the german films that you're watching or <laughs> studying right now at the end uh, now could you tell me uh, by the way that's lovely whatever you're studying that's amazing and very interesting uh, now could you tell me the kind of content you usually consume uh like uh, this podcast is very special to me because the choice of films uh is is very unusual like like yeah. i am very curious to understand how these films uh these are classics and uh, at least the first two films have been made like more quite long back like mm-hmm. they are more than 60 years old and yeah. i want to understand how these films are relevant in the life of an indian millennial today and uh, so could you tell me more like what else do you watch do you usually watch uh, this kind of cinema or do you also consume uh, today's popular shows on ott platforms or um, whatever youtube or instagram reels do you also love that could you tell me you know it's strange i think i i really enjoy 
the content that's coming out these days i think netflix and prime and all these other platforms are amazing but i i think it's more of an academic interest i really wanted to understand the beginnings of cinema you know uh, i think it started when i watched scorsese's hugo okay oh lovely you know it's lovely yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing that Scorsese made a 3D film, but <laughs> that he made such a good 3D movie. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, you see the uh, George Melier, right? Uh, yes. This character in the film, like that, made me curious about the beginnings of cinema. So I went back and read Sladanovsky Brothers, the Lumiere Brothers, wow. then there's Melier, mm-hmm. and so just the beginnings of cinema. It's you understand it better. It's like. you get this space to breathe you know mm. i feel like in today's movies there's such an uh, overpowering sense of sound of ideas of story the the form has developed to such an extent that you don't get time to think but when you go back to all these classics you it, it's the same with indian cinema i mean if you look at guru dat uh, it gives you so much time to think if you see his movies if you would compare it to a movie being released today a lot is already you know assumed about the audience that we know these things but at the time they were developing this medium and that makes it more interesting for me so i think i enjoy today's content but i usually find myself watching these older films wow. be it nice bergman dresson uh, you know whatever yeah yeah i get it get it uh, so uh, do do you should we start about the films that we are going to discuss today yes, do you want sure. to add something more No, no, let's go ahead. Okay, so uh, let's begin by talking about Pickpocket. A little introduction about the film uh, for our audiences. Pickpocket is a 1959 French film directed by Robert Bresso. It is the story of Michel, uh, who's a pickpocket, and his journey through life and uh, story of his personal relationships. Uh, so this film won the Golden Bear Award for Best Film at the 10th Berlin International Film Festival. A very interesting. uh observation i had that all these three films we are that we are going to talk about today have won the golden bear <laughs> award for best <laughs> film which is the highest prize of the berlin international film festival and fig pocket is considered one of the best films by robert bresso and it also went on to influence a lot of uh, films crime drama films made later mm-hmm. on mostly in america like um, the best one of the best like uh, taxi driver light sleeper american yeah. gigolo and many others so now tell me uh, how this film uh, impacted your life or why is it special to you yeah i mean uh, you mentioned american gigolo i just want to say shredder the director of that movie is a big fan of bresso and he constantly mm. copies him i think the ending of american gigolo is the same as pickpocket okay um, i haven't but, seen that but yeah it's the same shredder is a you big ruined fan. it for me you spoiled it for me man <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay <laughs> Okay, so yeah, um, I watched Pickpocket. I think it was the second Bresson film I watched. I hadn't uh, understood why I liked Bresson by the time, but I thought it was probably for practical reasons. His films were very short, and he made me feel like I could also direct a movie just because of how, you know, his actors didn't have to act. Yes, um, exactly. <laughs> I yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. Yeah, please go on. Yeah, you could hire any apparently anyone, anyone would do, and just exist and, in front of the camera, <laughs> and and the storytelling will be done by the editor. 
yeah if you're if you're clever with the close-ups you can save a lot of money and i thought that was what was so important for me uh, which is why i like dress up but then i realized it was actually the faces uh, you know hmm. I, I, i thought there was something very exceptional about dress up in the sense that he had the courage to not act in his films of course i, I mean through the characters that Bresson never acted but basically the idea i felt what he wanted to drain everything out of uh, the actors so that nothing of their own personality should reflect onto the film and what should happen instead is that he gives us this blank canvas so that we may understand the general context of the film and then we may be able to project those emotions onto all the characters so it provides it a certain unity so we are sort of the painters of this canvas of his film so he gives this blank canvas to us i think that was what on a deeper level affected me a lot because i think i i myself am like a presson actor i i don't have a lot of emotions when i'm outside i don't have a lot of expressions on my face so i think that resonated with me a lot i relate and, to that yeah <laughs> so that was Bresson for me and if when then we look at pickpocket it's a very simple story wouldn't you agree like uh, yes yes he he begins he's very uh, uh i don't know how it's very naturalistic in the sense he's very positivist also he mm. determines everything about the film he starts with, by telling us that it's a film first of all and he tells us this is not a thriller it's about it's a story of this guy and he does all these things that he shouldn't really have he doesn't have the need to do these things but just because he does these things he meets this woman in his life hmm. might not have met yes yeah. basically um and you see this entire uh, arc it's basically a character study of a thief but then yeah. i said there's something more to it you know it's it's not just that uh, if you look at the film there are certain aspects of it that are exceptionally religious in a way you know it's like uh michel the pickpocket for me also represents the person who's like lost uh, faith hmm completely lost faith in this world of you know in modernity we're completely stuck in our own vicious cycles and i think his room represents that vicious cycle his room never changes mm-hmm. he goes out he steals money he comes back but the room is always in this dilapidated condition so that for me represents this vicious cycle of uh the modern man who has to do evil and has to come back but he's never going anywhere in that sense his his uh, actions are this worldly and his consequences are also you know this worldly in a sense and the jean character she's yes. too good for him in a way she is mm. not from this world i think that's very obvious this is the scene where jacques and jean they enter the room and it's dark and jacques says how about a little light i think he says let there be light and he switches the light on and that's when jean enters into uh, michel's room and it's like she's the light of his life mm oh, lovely yeah yeah so th- that's the idea there but i think there's the scene where he's talking to this police inspector it's very important to me he talks about how 
there so, there are certain people you know exactly very gifted and characteristics gifted he's a narcissist he's a complete uh, narcissist but what's so important about that is that we have such people uh, in our societies who do do think you know they are it, whatever they do is justified because they are they have no scruples but they are gifted in a sense to do whatever they like to do hmm. and we won't be able to catch them we won't be able to know who they are because they never get caught that's yeah. also something yes but i feel so the big pocket is actually it's all of us in a way you know we lie we steal we cheat on each other yet there is good in us hmm. there are people that recognize this good in us michelle's mother recognizes that he is not beyond redemption and uh, i think what bresson says is this, all this pain and suffering we're causing uh, to each other maybe it's the strange path we must take to redeem ourselves in the final scene where yes it's 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 tragic but it's also beautiful that uh it's it's in a sense of it's in german we have this thing called aufhebung which is basically you sort of dissolve the problem in the sense that you don't see it as a problem anymore so he says these balls these i i don't see them anymore right when he says show in the final scene it's just a a release from his this worldly existence he's he's redeemed himself in a way yeah yeah so that's what i thought about it. you know there's always good in us even we're, we're so cruel and crooked and mean to each other there's there's chance for each and every one of us as we're all pickpockets and there's always a jaw who might save us in a way you summarized it so beautifully i don't have any more questions to ask i i wanted to talk to you about the conversation he had with the police inspector and why it takes him so long to uh, like get to jean uh, he had to take the strange part and also about the acting of the film but you spoke about it also beautifully uh, one observation i made is that all the three films that you have picked up uh, deal with characters who are uh, tr- like troubled with their past dealing with the pa- troubled past uh, why did you is there something uh, which is uh, synonymous uh, to your life with that why, uh, how did you pick these films then well i think i've always uh, believed in employing a politics of kindness in in my life that I've never been too quick to pass judgments. I've always tried to understand motives, empathy behind anything. Yeah, yep, empathy exactly. But just putting yourself in the other shoe and not necessarily condoning anything, be but just trying to understand uh, what the motives are of people. That because it's all humans, right? True. Whether we do good, whether we do bad, it's the human condition. So. i feel it's very important to see what happens to a person after something goes wrong hmm. you know w- what are you doing now what's happening with you right now after yeah. all these terrible things have happened to you that's always been very important to me because i i always feel this, this concept of redemption i think it's never too late to turn things around that yeah. is one of the most important things 
that I see in films. It's it's very beautiful to me. And, and exactly, think, the second film uh, proves it better. Like with a seventy-eight-year-old person yeah, finding redemption yeah. at that age. Yeah. Yeah, that's great too. So, and also, I remember one more film right now, uh, which I talked about in the last episode called Manchester by the Sea. It also deals with oh, the same theme. I, I I haven't seen that man. Yeah. You should. You should. check it yeah. out yeah do you want to add something more about pickpocket um, i'm interested to like hear a bit of what you thought about the film you know it was uh, see for me uh, it was not very relatable i watched it <laughs> majorly because uh, i read about how bresso deals with his actors and asks them to underplay so much that it is not even realistic so mm-hmm. that was the major attraction for me and i watched it for that and uh, also now when you are explaining about the film how we are all pickpockets i am understanding it better and appreciating it better and that's that's my view uh, that makes me happy yeah but i relate to wild strawberries a lot i'll talk about that uh, oh, should yeah. we move on to the film wild strawberries yeah yeah sure so uh, let's talk about the second film of this episode wild strawberries a little introduction for our audiences Wild Strawberries is a 1957 Swedish drama film written and directed by Ingmar Bergman, uh, one of the masters of cinema. And this film also won the Golden Bear for Best Film at the Eighth Berlin International Film Festival. It is uh, the story of a grouchy, stubborn, and egoistical professor. Uh, his name is Isaac Borg. He is widowed. He is a 78-year-old physician, and he's Uh, he has set out on a long very long car ride from stockholm to lund to receive a prize and in this car, car ride he reflects upon his troubled past through some flashbacks and uh, some dreams that he has and he meets a lot of characters also in this journey uh, who help him reflect upon his life and at the end he finds redemption uh, so this film also went on to influence a lot of other films made later on uh, prominently Uh, Nayak uh, which is a 1966 film dire- written oh, and directed really? by Satyajit Ray uh, the screenplay of Nayak is heavily inspired from the screenplay oh. of uh, Wild Strawberries so yeah please tell me habib uh, how did this film make a difference in your life yeah i mean wild strawberries is special for me because i think it's the first proper cinema i ever saw you know i was i think uh, 14 or 15 i'd seen uh, the shining i'd seen 2001 Mm-hmm. I've seen Clockwork Orange, Eyes Wide Shut, and I thought that was the end. That was the end of cinema, you know, as as any Kubrick snob would. Yeah, <laughs> I thought Kubrick was the beginning and the end of cinema. But then I saw uh, Wild Strawberries, and I it struck it stuck with me. I didn't really understand it when I first watched it, but I think I watched it today again this morning, mm-hmm. and basically. it's it's for me it's again this uh, the the fact that bogman chooses a doctor as his main character as a as person who's studied so much who's amassed this vast knowledge over mm-hmm. 78 years of his life is almost an octogenarian and the fact that he doesn't even know anything about life in a way even okay. at that other than his work yeah exactly it's the it's the crisis that he faces you know that he tries to make sense of his life he's cho- he's chosen to forget all this pain and regret that he had and he's re- retreated into himself he's actually playing god in a way <laughs> and he doesn't want to 
deal directly with humans he's sitting in his own uh ivory tower in a sense hmm. and it's only after he has this terrible dream of of this uh, you death. know yeah his death basically alone and and a broken hearse or whatever uh, that that he starts to think about his own life he starts to reflect about it and he tries to make sense of death also and realizes that he doesn't have all the answers that nobody in fact has the answers that we can't know anything and in that sense it's it's very faustian you know goethe wrote this uh, play faust and okay. uh, uh that faust is also an alchemist you know and he sits in his study and he has amassed all the knowledge in the world and uh, his first monologue is uh something like i've studied this i've studied uh, alchemy i've studied blah 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 mm. whatever and i've come to the conclusion that we cannot know anything that's okay. that's what so i think faust is aware of this dilemma i think isaac borg isn't he's arrogant about his knowledge he's arrogant about all that he's achieved but he slowly comes to the subconscious realization that he in fact doesn't have any answers about the real questions you know uh, what happens after i die he tries to make sense of it in his own weird way when he has this dream of <laughs> it's like a it's like a viva right where <laughs> he's asked to look into this microscope he's asked to read what's on the blackboard yeah yeah And that's so wonderfully done, sense. right? That, yeah, he's trying sequence. to make sense of hmm. it's the the sense of judgment, right? Uh, what will happen to my soul after I pass on? And he doesn't know, so he creates this own uh, interpretation, call it what you will, of uh, uh, the judgment day in the sense that it's uh, science practical. <laughs> hmm. And, so it's just it's just very beautiful to me that. Uh, even a seventy-eight-year-old man doesn't know, you know, what yeah. the real answer to life is. That was very relieving for me at the time because I, no, I was very confused about what to do. I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do at all. Which stream should I take? That was the big question at the time. That was oh my God! Is that Borg? Is that Borg can be confused after being, you know, uh, commemorating everything? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. <laughs> then I think it's fair for me to be confused as well. That's that's lovely. That's an interesting point that you brought up, and uh, I want to ask you one more related question right now. Since you said at fourteen you were watching Kubrick movies, uh, <laughs> what kind of movies did you grow up on? Because in India we grew up on Bollywood, right? And in, 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 when uh, I was fourteen, I was watching only Bollywood. So, uh, did you not get exposed to that? Were you were you exposed to uh, American cinema very early on by your family? Was that mm-hmm. the case for you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we had a healthy mixture of, uh, um, I would say Hollywood and uh, Bollywood. I think Bollywood. I I usually watch the few classics. You know, okay. कुछ कुछ होता है कल हो ना हो Mm. Uh, I was really a, a big fan of Shah Rukh Khan films. I I, mm. I used to watch them a lot. But I remember I I used to watch uh, Hollywood more. So like uh, in school we used to have this after summer holidays, the teacher used to ask which movies have you watched. Everyone would be like Bollywood, Bollywood. Now I just raise my hand and say Bruce Almighty quite awkwardly. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> they would just look at me like yeah okay. 
So yeah, I think Hollywood, but not cinema. I wouldn't call it cinema. I watched stuff like Kindergarten Cop, <laughs> you know, Back to the Future, hmm. you know, all these uh, Jumanji, these kind of films. I didn't start watching cinema. I think until I watched uh, Shining, Cuba's hmm. Shining. That was probably the first uh, proper cinema I saw. Okay. Before then, you were watching more palatable, palatable movies. Yeah, I think like we have Marvel right. movies right now. Ah, I, I didn't see film as a medium, right? I I saw it as entertainment. Okay. I didn't see it as an art. That mm. was very much later. So, how, what do you perceive of cinema today? Like, should it be uh, for uh, messaging or entertainment or both? I think at this point, it's such a big industry. There's room for everyone. Everyone and everyone has their own space. Mm-hmm. And it's entertainment as well. I mean. i personally don't enjoy <laughs> just turning your brain off and uh you know the barrel down approach of cinema i don't really enjoy it uh the hypodermic needle approach basically when everything okay. is fed to you and you just uh, mm-hmm. turn your brain off and enjoy the film i but you do, you don't watch such movies anymore right now yeah i don't i mean i try but like i try to watch uh, inception Mm-hmm. and interstellar tenant again just just doesn't happen to me anymore i'm okay. not able to enjoy such films okay okay so uh do you want to become a filmmaker because i kind of get that vibe of course i would love to direct a film that's like a dream for me it, it, i want to have learn. a plan yeah i want to at least direct one in my life mm. okay. that would be like the bucket list sort of situation no? great luck with that bro Yeah, thank you. Do Do you want what to add? What for oh, you? Yeah, I do want to. That That's my yeah. plan for now. Yeah. <laughs> do Do you want to add something more about Wild Strawberries, about the flashbacks, about the dream sequences? You already talked about the dream sequences. Anything about yeah. the flashbacks, about the characters, about I the mean, character, daughter-in-law? Yeah. Just the way uh, Bergman structures it is so beautiful that. the car ride is also a retreat into his subconscious you know mm-hmm. it's uh, it's like you are uh, departing into this uh, realm and just the fact that wild strawberries i read online i actually didn't know this back then but i just read today that wild strawberries also means uh, this place of uh, respite this place of uh, uh, i don't know tranquility where mm-hmm. you're able to recollect your you know you're able to recollect memories of whatever you're able to uh, sort of ruminate about things in peace and quiet mm-hmm. so in that sense a retreat i think makes sense where he goes to this summer house and he's able to recollect all these memories from the past and i think uh, the beautiful part about the film is that it doesn't really give you any answer uh, you know we're about as clueless as isaac borg Yeah, and Isaac Borg sort of contents himself with, I think, in the final scene, this uh, beautiful uh, shot of his parents at the lake. Yeah, yeah, that's a lovely he, scene. I think Bergman called it his best close-up ever. I yes, think, in an interview. Yes, and uh, the the message of the film really is that you know we're we can't know what's going to happen. afterwards i think that's a big theme for bergman as well it's god's silence you know 
Mm-hmm. I think he says it that about in winter, winter light. Uh, I might be wrong, but he talks about how for Christ, God's silence was the most tormenting thing when he was about to go on the cross, mm. and uh, there was a silence, and he didn't know if God would speak to him, and th- that was a big fear for him. So I think there's God's silence in wild strawberries as well, in the sense that we're not provided with any answers. Uh, any otherworldly answers that Isaac Box struggles with, but we have to content ourselves with the m- more beautiful parts of our life. We, we should hold on to them. We should remember them. I think that's the message: the the beauty of life, the good and the bad. Oh, lovely! Very well put, bro. I I will also tell you uh, why I relate to this film because I told you that yeah, sure. talk about that. uh so you describe isaac bork right as someone who thinks he's got like uh, he's, he's uh, egoistical and everything i have mm-hmm. been that person i <laughs> i am still that person <laughs> and so uh, i have ignored like things like personal relationships family mm-hmm. for a long period in my life and i have focused more on my work and i've uh, believed that my work will take me ahead and that's the most important thing and nothing else matters and i've uh, so when i watched this film i actually got a very big uh, you know jhatka that uh, and yeah. i have this fear of loneliness uh, that i'll end yeah, up being lonely yeah, yeah. i have this tremendous fear and i think i'm already lonely and uh, the future <laughs> is going to be only worse so i uh, started thinking about this now you should value your human relationships more uh, at par with your work and also find a balance between life and work this this realization happened after watching this film and i'm exactly this this kind of a person like in my uh, when i was younger than like i uh, was good with my studies and academics and mm-hmm. uh, i used to believe that uh, this is only the end like this is how i'll make it in life and uh, like i relate to people like isaac bork who are researchers or scientists and are mm-hmm. only yeah. concerned with their uh, findings and everything and they uh, kind of mistreat other and don't value their relationships or even the uh, caretaker person uh, who takes care of isaac bork right Uh, mm-hmm. so he he doesn't even understand her love for him too uh, yeah. that that kind of a person i have been all my life now i'm trying to change so yeah so this is this is why i related to this film it was very strange that a film from 1957 was so relatable for me in my life which i am living in the 21st century so that way this film is very special for me uh is there something more that you want to add or should we move on to the Thursday. yeah just just real quick i think uh, when you mentioned loneliness uh, yeah uh, i think the film when it says the punishment loneliness as a punishment i think that hits uh, uh, really hard in the sense that uh, borg only remembers these awful instances in his life he's he's like this uh, i don't know uh, focusing on the negative in a way yeah especially Justify that scene his, about his wife where his wife is yeah. talking to her lover that yeah, hit me very hard yeah and the guy who's with him says that uh, countless uh, episodes and you this is the only one you remember yeah he yeah he wants to focus on the negative to sort of justify his position of, of uh, you know not wanting to uh, talk to people uh, becoming a recluse in a way that the world has been cruel to him i'm not cruel to the world 
that's his sort of subconscious justification but in the end we see there is beauty in his life that he has cho- cho- chosen to neglect so there is beauty in our life it's it's up to us do we focus on the bad or do we focus on the good and that's just are we willing to pay the price of loneliness and and be as bitter as borg you know, only to regret it later on that's also something to think about very well put very well put uh let's move on to the third film of the day <laughs> uh so the third film is magnolia and a little introduction uh, about the film for our audiences magnolia is a 1999 american epic psychological drama film written and directed by paul thomas anderson one of the brightest directors we have out there today yeah. and it has an amazing cast stellar cast it uh, is uh, like it also won the golden bear at the berlin international <laughs> film festival and uh i watched it only last night and uh, it was very uh, a lot of it was it was a lot for me to take in yeah. and uh, what i understood about the film is that it is uh, a story about some characters whose lives are interconnected in certain mm-hmm. ways and uh, they are dealing with certain things like their troubled pasts or uh, abuse by their parents some mm-hmm. uh, some issues like that and uh, now you take the baton from here habib and help me understand and appreciate this film better and also tell us how this film made a difference in your life okay so magnolia is just a remarkable film i think anyone who sees it recognizes that mm-hmm. uh, you don't i think uh, it's one of those rare works of cinema where it's simple to understand and it's uh, it nevertheless has this incredible depth that you're never over with it in a way and i think what the magic of cinema is basically in in magnolia itself is that we're able to have this magical realism you know cinema is able to create this world where we're sort of lifted from the mundanity of uh, 21st century existence in a capitalist country like america and we're able to experience this uh, magical world of coincidences where everyone is connected to everyone and frogs rain down from the sky mm-hmm. and it there's this magical aspect to it it's almost biblical i think in many ways it's like a parable uh, that is sort of trying to convey to us something and when you talk about uh, child abuse i think the more central aspect of the film would then be the past and uh, how it affects our present and how our smallest actions have repercussions for so many people that we probably don't even understand we're not even able to calculate how many people we may have influenced and that there's no such thing as chance mm-hmm. the the first uh, sequence of the film is this uh, documentary where he's reading out all these A very, a very odd way to start a film yeah. i think it's it, mm. it's an attention grabber it's a cold open where it shows all these you know ridiculous uh, accidents or incidences that have happened and uh, basically yeah i mean it just it felt strange it was like a biblical story but in 21st century america so it's eternal yet modern in a way and 
that was quite interesting for me and i think if we go through the characters maybe uh, you watched it recently could you help me a little because i'm i'm a bit lost and i I'm, i'm also lost after watching this film <laughs> i have to watch it many many times more okay. it is like uh, uh, watching i had a similar experience after watching ship of theseus uh and then i had to watch it mm-hmm. again and again and now i i know how to i appreciate that film better so i think this film will also have a similar journey with me uh but i yeah okay so this film uh, you want the characters right there is this uh, yeah, cop yeah. cop who's investigating uh, claudia's house and ends up mm-hmm. going on a date with her and claudia is the daughter of uh, jimmy gator who is this quiz yeah. master Uh, who admits the, kind of admits that he has molested her daughter in her childhood yeah. and he also admits that he has been cheating his wife then jimmy gator's show is uh, show's ex producer is uh, this dying man yeah. uh, i forgot his name earl patrigia so yeah. and his son is uh, played by tom cruise uh, frank mackey who is a chauvinist like he appears to be this chauvinist person and he's uh like uh, on a on a mission against uh, women kind of yeah. and then uh, we get to know in an in interview that he is this very soft tender person who was trying to protect his dying mother at yeah. the age of 14 when his father left them and finally he comes to see his dying father and breaks down and everyone breaks down at the end there's this quiz uh, former quiz kid donny smith also yeah, yeah these are the characters i think i uh, and yeah. also this quiz kid uh, today's quiz kid uh, stanley right who, mm-hmm. who who who's facing abuse from his father uh, pre- a lot of pressure from his father so yeah these are the characters well thanks <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i got through it yes yeah so i think uh, one thing to point out is like the character of the cop and and the nurse i think philip seymour hoffman and uh, oh god i'm forgetting his john c riley as the police mm-hmm. i think these two characters are not necessarily involved in in the dynamic of all these other characters whose whose lives seem to be interconnected mm-hmm. so the whole i understood them as like these guardian angels in a way uh, yeah helping people along the way and then mm-hmm. that is again very biblical uh, like philip seymour hoffman's character like god rest his soul one of the best actors to have ever uh, existed uh, his role is basically he doesn't have any compulsion to help or find uh on his dead bed find this uh, son of his that he hasn't spoken to in so many years but he still does that hmm. and john c riley's character the policeman he, he has this strange empathy where the first time i i didn't think it was propaganda at all hmm. you know otherwise yeah. sort of, it, it's a very common trope in american cinema propaganda it's even here in india hmm. all it takes toxic proportions here maybe but it just uh, it didn't feel like he was a cop yeah or just a cop it, it always felt like he was something more because he had this empathy that you wouldn't attribute to a normal person and i think that is the magical aspect of that these two characters are sort of like the guardian angels would, would you agree to that uh, in the scene where he is investigating that woman for the first time where he finds the body yeah, he mm-hmm. 
there he he is he is the cop right there he is completely yeah um, yeah doing his duty yeah i think that's one scene yeah that yeah. i had problems with in a way okay could you share that i mean i just felt like it it resonates considering what's just happened you know with the george floyd uh, mm. incidents with the blm movement and i think maybe at that keeping that in mind maybe it wasn't very sensitive of pta to generate that, such a scene where uh, the white guy is seen as the guy just trying to do his job mm. and uh, you know this african american woman is the one who's in the wrong who's hysterical who needs to be chained to her sofa so that the white man may do his job i think that's one scene i have okay the problem with but i think that's just to establish character that he has to he has his, this uh existence where he has to do his job maybe but i mm-hmm. that scene tricked me a little i did not appreciate it as much okay yeah, yeah you were talking about the film and okay. the characters yeah go on so uh yeah i mean what magnolia basically is trying to tell us is that we all have this past and we we're all connected to each other in ways that we may not realize so there's this attempt to understand people like the three hours gives us ample time to occupy ourselves with each and every character what they're going through what they've been through and that generates this empathy in us maybe i would understand that as something that we need to employ in our actual lives you know realizing that everyone has a past and uh, that all people need sometimes is a bit of understanding the the sort of understanding that the characters of of uh, philip seymour hoffman and john c riley provide to these people like uh, the star kid who I'm forgetting his name. Who's played by William H Macy, Donny Smith? Yeah, yeah. Like he was this big famous kid. He had fame at a very early age, and that's also he's another example of the exploitative entertainment industry where kids are just used, you know, yeah. to make money by their parents. And you see that cycle is still repeating. Uh, yes, in the case with Stanley. Yeah, yeah, with Stanley. and you just see that uh, the kind of emotional turmoil that people are in because of their past and they need this release they need just someone to talk to and you see that with uh, tony smith where he says you know i have so much love to give i just don't know where to put it oh my god i relate to that so you know, much man <laughs> you know uh, that is such a release that is a catharsis you know when you mm-hmm. see someone say that you're like oh my god you know uh we, we are we're all living in this world and it's very arbitrary in a sense uh, you know there are uh, industries there are careers there are jobs there are professional relationships we have but it's all made up in a way you know we've all made these things for ourselves what's more real is compassion is empathy is understanding is kindness and i think that's more that's the more eternal aspect of the film the modern aspect is of course there's the entertainment industry there's child abuse uh there's death cancer 
there's toxic masculinity all yes yes but, but these are the transient aspects of the society that we're living in they're a product of the society that we've created for ourselves to disadvantage and to advantage others but what are the more eternal aspects that are common to all of us you know everyone has a past everyone has done good everyone has done bad things and everyone has you know has this chance to redeem themselves if only we were kind to each other if only we had this empathy if only we had this understanding if we were ready to employ this kindness if we were ready to break through these arbitrary barriers that we've created because we treat them as real you know uh careers professional relationships we think our job is what defines us we think a doctor is a doctor a teacher is a teacher but we don't realize that we're all uh, humans i think we forget that and so that's a very important aspect of the film the the empathy just the stark empathy in the scene very uh the uh john c riley when he talks to william h macy's character just trying to understand his dilemma and he's in pieces and then he says you know i have so much love to give all he wanted was someone to hear him say that that would have been probably enough i think we have so much inside us and we just need someone to talk to yes that's very true do you want to talk uh, more about um, the performances um, i i mm-hmm. i think this is one of the best performances by tom cruise yeah he was despicable and yes. then he broke my heart like yes uh, for the first half of the film i was i haven't despised the character as much i think mm-hmm. uh, in many years mm-hmm. as i as much as i despise tom cruise's character but then again that's the genius you know we we're so quick to pass judgment pta actually forces us to pass judgment on tom cruise yes. with these elaborate sequences he he parodizes 2001's opening as well with uh thus spoke zarathustra playing in the background and he appears on this stage he's like this cult figure completely <laughs> obsessed with himself yeah but but then paul thomas anderson says wait 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 even this guy has a, has a story you need mm. to listen to this guy's story as well and that's that's the most important part i think we we don't have to condone what he's become and it's still a puzzle for me why he he becomes this toxic masculine character when in fact it was his father it was father yeah not the mother yes yes that that, that was what i had to yeah yeah so it's it's quite uh, paradoxical in a way we don't understand it but the thing is we don't have to understand we just have to listen you know we How have lovely. to consider the past in a way we have to understand that everyone is coming from some place everyone has worries and uh, things that torment them and we don't necessarily have to pass judgment on them we just have to know that it's there and we don't see that like i i don't know what your past is i'm not i'm talking to you for the first time you don't know about me a lot but mm-hmm. we can assume that there is something more to you and mm. that assumption may lead to more empathy and more kindness and more patience towards one another true that's very lovely yeah could we talk about uh, the german cinema uh, that that you are studying i have watched uh, two german films uh, namely yeah. uh, wings of desire 
Okay. by wim wenders right yeah. and and one more is fear eats the soul by really? fastbender that's one <laughs> and nothing more i guess i don't remember maybe Thank something you. or the other but yeah. ali fear eats the soul ali fear eats the it soul and my favorite scene is where she comes into the bathroom where is uh, bathing naked and she looks at him and says ali you are beautiful and then yeah. she goes away that's that's my favorite part oh, yes but- this film uh, it just makes me cry uh, i think rainer van der fassbender uh, he's mm. my personal favorite and uh, i think he's one of if not the best uh, mm-hmm. directors you know john waters is also a big fan of his films and he said that if he were alive today i would fall to his feet that's mm. what he said john waters about rainer van der fassbender mm-hmm. so and the other one i think you mentioned wim wenders i think wings of desire himmel überbelin is a great great start to his cinematography as well but if we're talking about german cinema yeah give give me the, an insight into german cinema and uh, give the audiences also some recommendations sell german cinema to us <laughs> well to sell german cinema it's actually a terrible beginning that's okay don't sell <laughs> don't sell we'll see if we want to buy world war present german show, cinema you know yeah and it's actually a very uh, turbulent beginning uh, basically uh, the first world war and its psychological impacts really affected all of europe it was the first war that used heavy artillery and uh, we saw the impact on the psyche of people and we see that in german cinema as well so i think one movie i would recommend is uh, the cabinet of dr caligari okay uh, that's one film i think you should probably start with the interesting aspect about it i won't give away the ending i already spoiled american jew <laughs> no it's fine okay <laughs> but the idea is basically uh, it's interesting that germany seemed to have retreated into this expressionist world after their defeat uh trying to make sense of uh i don't know trying to make sense of the defeat and trying to come to terms with it through their cinema and you see this in the uh production design uh the the production design doesn't make sense at all the houses are all these jagged uh, shapes and sizes uh it's a world that doesn't make sense anymore and it's also at the same time it's a retreat into the subconscious much in the same way it happens in white strawberries it's like a retreat of because you know this after losing the war the soldiers retreated from the front so many people analyze i think one biggest example is siegfried krakauer um he wrote this book from caligari to hitler where he basically tries to analyze the rise of fascism through the films uh of the weimar period and uh so basically the p- films of this time period are interesting from that perspective of the german defeat and what it did to them and how they tried to come to terms with it through this idea of expressionism and through this movement of new objectivity and mm. it's, it's just it's so rich i mean you can never stop watching weimar cinema i i guarantee you once you begin you won't be able to stop so just as a beginning i want i don't want to give you too many movies because then you won't watch that is going to be one 
<laughs> no, it's true. It's true. People give you all these lists, and then you maybe watch one. But if someone gives you one, then they'll come. You back. watch it, and then you discover things on your yeah. own. Yeah. So that's the one. Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. So I watch one film, which is an American film, but uh, made by a German expressionist filmmaker, uh, mm-hmm. the man who laughs. I had watched it. Ah, okay. Yeah, I know this one. I, okay. I haven't seen it, but it's like the precursor to the Joker, right? Joker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, I think I'll watch it tonight. Now you really push me. <laughs> okay, sure. Do that. Do you, Do you want to talk more about German cinema or? Uh, I think I mean, one film is enough, right? For- I mean, ask me things you want to know because I I, I really need a bit of structure. Okay, so uh, how did the uh, Berlin Wall and uh, the disintegration of the wall affect affect the cinema? Wow, that's actually something we're studying right now. Uh, <laughs> what, Amazing! Revise it. Now uh, what me. happens is. Uh, basically there was this uh, distinction made after the second world war where there was european cinema and there was hollywood and mm. you know it was a cold war and uh, the western west europe was like also this ideological sphere for america to really uh, invest into to make them buy into their way of life so films were an important part of it so there was a huge dis- uh, uh discrepancy in the sense that hollywood films had like 70% of uh the industry in europe and in germany and the german national cinema had like 30% so much of the national cinema be it neo realism uh french new wave german uh new german cinema it was a polemic against this uh, commercial uh, hollywood cinema and uh, for a very long time uh until the 90s when this uh, the european union uh, comes to be and what happens is a sublation of all these national cinemas into this conglomerate of european cinema where you have all these uh, film associations that work towards collaborations between different countries then you have it's at this point in time where you have directors like michel haneke a german who actually directs films in french uh you have wim wenders who has like multilingual films uh starting in german and english then there's french and it gets confusing after a while and uh, what happened was basically the transition from a national various national cinemas to a european cinema that was focused on um i would say largely focused on reinforcing this idea of commercial a uh, collaboration uh, very capitalistic mm-hmm. in a very capitalistic sense uh, making people buy into the idea of europe i think the some films i could like recommend would be uh billy wilder's 1 2 3 uh billy wilder did you say billy wilder yeah yeah okay I'm a big fan i'm a big fan of billy wilder i think he's the greatest i think uh, Billy Wilder's one two three. You said yeah. Billy Wilder's one two three, where he just parodizes the uh, globalization of the sixties. Hmm. Uh, it's a comedy. It's a screwball comedy uh, in Berlin, and it's like a Coca Cola executive, and okay. he just parodizes the uh, 
I don't know what the word for it is, but basically capitalism thinking they have all the answers. Okay. Sort of Paradises that, and then there's this film called Euro Pudding. Uh, let me see what the name of the director is. Yeah, it's Pot Luck, I think, in English, and it's been directed by Cedric Lapich. As basically okay. about this French university student, he moves to Barcelona. So you already see the mm-hmm. allegorization of basically countries working together on the level of the different people. So mm-hmm. you go see the French person. He goes to Barcelona to learn Spanish to score a desirable job, right? So there you already have the commercial aspect of uh, collaboration. and then he resides in this uh, house with other europeans and basically he learns this beauty of diversity but only in monetary terms and economic terms which is basically the idea of european union even we see today their the struggle with political issues but they're very cool with economic issues okay okay i'm so going to watch people, one two three today uh, yeah great let's go to Billy Wilder is fun. You don't even have to. He's yeah. always fun. The apartment that was. <laughs> that's oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the best, if not what the best, probably one of the best scripts ever written. It's just True. perfect. And if you look into Billy Wilder's history, he was also part of the Weimar cinema. You know, he. It's very interesting. He used to work odd jobs, and he used to write for like eight, nine newspapers mm-hmm. uh, in Berlin under under various pseudonyms. He just loved to write. Okay. He direct. He wrote the screenplay, I think, for this film. Mention Am Sonntag, People on Sunday, which is basically part documentary, documentary fiction of uh, what a Sunday is like in the big city, and you had people. It's just like made to look like a documentary in a way, mm-hmm. and you just see the life in the big city. So okay. that was like his beginning. He's he's a writer through. He Wait, was when was this done? This the screenplay. Um, Mention on Zontag. I just have to check. I think quite early, nineteen thirty. Yeah. Okay. 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 Kind of cinema verite, right? Documentary style. Um, new objectivity. I think the German. Neue Sachlichkeit. Okay. That was a stream in German art that started. It was a reaction to uh, expressionism, and I think the biggest proponent of that would be uh, Georg Wilhelm Pabst. Uh, he's a big director. He directed these films such as West Front, and uh, he was heavily influenced by Brecht, Bertolt Brecht at the time. His mm. Uh, the various strides he was making in theater as a medium, it was employed into cinema. Yeah, and French New Wave was a big fan of Brecht. Also, you know, Godard famously yeah. used breaking the fourth wall, the distancing effect, all those things it was all Brecht. Yes, yes, it's so interesting to listen to you. There's so much <laughs> to learn, man. and i just feel <laughs> i haven't studied anything <laughs> but yeah that's it's so nice to have you as a guest on this podcast series uh now let's uh, talk about indian cinema 
and uh, so tell me what are your thoughts on current hindi films made in uh, bombay which we call bollywood and uh, regional cinema and the representation of because you are an aspiring filmmaker and you have a mm-hmm. lot of knowledge about cinema so what are your thoughts on indian cinema's international representation are we at par or do we need to be at par with american cinema and uh, asian cinema which korean cinema which uh, made news last year uh, are we at par with them and do we need to be at par with them and how could we be at par with them <laughs> lot of no, questions <laughs> well first of all nobody is at par with korean cinema i think they've kicked everyone out everything out of the park okay is out of the park so what what is the quality that they have what are the elements that they have i think just the everyone has like this uh, time of geniuses right uh, in new german cinema it was the cult of genius of these directors i like had so vendors fast pinder Hmm. and uh, new wave french new wave it was agnes varda gota yes, these true four yeah true four of course yeah and uh, with korean cinema i think that period in their cinema happens in the 2000s with park chan wook uh, and uh, bong joon ho all these guys they they come out with this cinema it's like i don't know how to explain it there's always this time in cinema where it it experiences a boom it experiences a creative renaissance and i think mm. that was the time for korean cinema and it's still their time i think they're more the most interesting industry uh, right now they're coming out with amazing films that's not just entertaining but just and not just parasite if you think of memories of murder mm-hmm. old boy uh the handmaiden uh, what else Uh, so many films right now that they're coming out but that's okay let's go do you like this one spring summer winter fall whatever that that film something like called spring summer autumn winter and then spring something like that do you I like that know, i don't i don't know maybe i've seen it maybe i've not but okay when you talk about indian cinema i need your help a little when you talk about bollywood could you like name some films for me because <laughs> Okay so Bollywood uh, and then regional give me like two hmm. three examples then So Bollywood wise uh Thappad made a lot of name uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, to remember man uh Anubhav Sinha films uh, like yeah. Mulk Thappad article 15 mm-hmm. made a lot of name critically and uh, Hansal Mehta's films Aligarh uh, then uh, this yeah. uh, Shahid Omerta these have been great films mm-hmm. and uh, uh, also there is this uh, genre called ayushman khurana genre or the uh, today's formula <laughs> yeah, film jo chote shehron mein based hote hai the plot ki kisi chote shehar mein some some chudal has come or some there is something like that that thing is working today as the mainstream commercial cinema that has been uh, completely devoured by ott platforms by the way this yeah and also abuse cinema like mirzapur which yeah. started with gangs of wasipur but yeah then uh, people have overdo like it we discovered scorsese in 2010 or something yeah 12 uh, yeah kind of 10 12 yeah after gangs of wasipur hmm and now it's being uh, overdone mm, and mm-hmm. then yeah and then regional cinema wise there is uh, malayalam cinema which is doing best they yeah. may see you soon in the lockdown 
which is on amazon then uh, kumbalangi nights fahad fasil is uh, spearheading a lot of great projects from mm-hmm. there i think joji as well people are talking about i haven't seen it yet i haven't But seen it's like a Mac- macbeth i think adaptation yeah And like a lot of friends in the south they recommended it to me so i'll be watching that i think and then there there is gujarati cinema a film called helaro which made a lot of name oh, uh, and then there is asmi cinema which has come in a new wave mm-hmm. has come in with yeah. village rock stars and amis by oh, one by rimadas and one by pascal so yeah so have you seen amis i've seen both village rock stars and amis village rock stars is such a heartfelt movie and then i watched amis <laughs> and i was like is this the same Same, these are the same people from the same land they are coming with these yeah. <laughs> two different stories yeah <laughs> oh man but amis is uh, uh, i think it's international standard mm. of cinema yeah but what do you think about the technicality of the film like the visual quality is um it's it's low budget clearly uh. but i it's very rarely that uh, i realize that during the film of course there are parts where You think, it, yeah, with a mm. bigger budget, he probably knocks this scene out of the park. Mm. But he did very well with very whatever choices well. he had, and I think it's a film that, because of the scandal of it, it's you would think the scandal would be. Can I ruin it for people? Can I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. Like, I've already seen it. Now I'm selfish. I mean, you can. You would it. think the scandal would be him having the affair with. Uh, Uh, this uh, lady but that's not the scandal is it <laughs> huh, huh. <laughs> the scandal no something else but you know what like uh uh it, it's metaphorical for the, what i got yeah. from the movie like it's it's an affair that they are having right this this yeah. uh, crave for meat it's mm-hmm. an affair that they are having like probably every time they explore some meat it is it is a symbol of getting intimate and when he offers his own meat then they have taken it to the extreme level right that's that's what i understood in the you affair you try you try explaining that it's a metaphor to my vegan friends when i recommend them <laughs> it won't work but i agree with you i think it's uh, it has that genius it has the shock factor but it's it's deeper than that Yeah, and Avis was actually is the only film that comes to my mind right now. When you ask me about regional cinema, of mm-hmm. course, Rock Stars as well, just because of the fact that she didn't use, I think, actors. Yeah, uh, and she did it on all on her own, like, on her own, produced, uh, edited, directed, yeah. shot. Just, just fantastic. Uh, that that's the right independent spirit, right? The Village yeah. Rock Stars. Yeah, exactly, the, and I think. that's an important point i think online platforms might just save indian cinema you know okay think, uh independent cinema uh, they have more of a short online of course you won't get the traction you might get in uh, commercial cinema in bollywood where you have these huge you know they run for weeks as a lot of money put in but the fact is that since there's a lot of money put in there's very little risk you know mm. uh, that people are willing to take with the story uh, even uh, films for bulk article yeah. 15 champion the themes that they uh, grasp uh, they try to understand they try to explain 
but i still feel like as films they are very formulaic and uh, they are not very uh, creative and i just feel like independent cinema is willing to take that risk if you think of films like e baleu yeah you know, exactly yeah just <laughs> who would have thought uh, that such a film would come out you know only mm. independent cinema is capable of such uh, aberrations and so, i think the online platform might just save us i i don't have many hopes from bollywood unfortunately i even when they do make good films they're always formulaic and they yeah, don't yeah. give you enough uh, i don't know as a viewer i i would like something fresh something new something that makes me think for you know days that doesn't happen it's mm. still the hypodermic needle approach where even in article 15 uh, you know very little is done with uh, i mean there are ways to use the medium to give your message but all these films in the end they just ended with the protagonist giving a long monologue <laughs> that is supposed to tell us what is right and what is wrong and that's been going <laughs> on for how many years you know, yeah i really love article 15 I love the film but that's always this frustration for me. Ebaleu it doesn't give you answers. Ebaleu mm. <laughs> the story is something as is in the background. We're seeing the foreground and we're supposed to figure out what's the background of all yes, these things. Why exactly. is he living in this terrible condition? Why is he forced to take up this job? What mm. happens at the end? Why has he lost his mind, you know? what mm. what's happening here these are things we have to figure out why does he go into that trance at the end like yeah it's mm. it's the same it's like joker the ending if you think about it ebaleu mm. ending is very similar to joker i mean i didn't not like joker but i saw the parallel what was the ending i forgot man he are he's a uh, god it's so bad the film but i forget but he oh okay, god i won't spoil it it's okay to spoil it right See I'm a very selfish person I don't care about my audiences <laughs> I have seen the <laughs> film so you can spoil it for them Okay close your ears <laughs> if you haven't seen it but yes. he kills like then you know then he goes out and he's apparently started a riot because he wears a mask Oh yes and yes I identify with that and then there's this final scene where I think a car rams into him or something and there's blood on his face and he just sort of smiles into the camera it's like a close up shot and in ebalu also there's this close up shot of him you know at the end mm-hmm. in slow motion i just saw that parallel but it's stupid so okay. final answer not a lot of hopes from bollywood mm-hmm. lots of hopes from regional cinema and i i i hope the ott platforms are not hijacked by see um, what i feel is ott platforms will give uh, space to both kind of cinema which theaters yeah, couldn't yeah exactly i think but then again netflix see, al- already says that we have something for every taste and they are way, being very smart with their business plans in india they mm-hmm. have a prajakta kohli doing mismatched and also a film like uh, village rockstars and yeah, all yeah. these independent cinema i cinemas. mean you have uh, what was that uh, they started with brahman naman <laughs> Netflix India started with Raman Naman which is Q's film and now they are doing everything like they have dharma shows and whatever i don't remember indian matchmaking and everything yeah that's what i was going to talk about indian matchmaking yeah. they have shows like that and then they also have this uh, they also have ebale who i think yeah ebale did it release on netflix already i think I yes i did 
I okay. think it's yeah. So okay. yeah, that's true. But hmm. my feel is like uh, I don't want the same more of the same on OTTs as well. You know where like these actors, uh, Saif Ali Khan, Abhishek Bachchan, <laughs> and they're all coming to OTT platforms. I would like to see fresh faces. I would like to see more story oriented uh, shows. where it doesn't matter who the actor is you i i feel like with these big names it's a, the story sometimes takes a hit in a way like i did not enjoy breathe the okay season i think it was a good story but i did not enjoy it as much as probably the first one where you didn't okay. have that those that many big names mm-hmm. and i think uh, what else yeah just that Uh, I want to see something new. Mm-hmm. And OTT platforms. I don't want to see more of the same. Where, as you said, you know, there's these are tropes that are just being uh, used. Uh, if you see the UP trope and yeah, all UP stars, trope. so many films. I'm tired of it. You know, I'm from UP myself. I, I've, I've had enough of it. Why my parents keep watching it? And it's just too much for me. <laughs> okay. So, the consumption aspect of it, people are just making, uh, again these shows where you don't really have to think too much. These films where you don't have to think too much, you just have to enjoy, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But I, I really hope that's not the majority. Even though I'm pretty sure it will. Be. I, I. But do you think the average Indian is too tired to put their brains into watching content? Are we as a country? too uh, you know uh, surrounded by too many problems about our basic survival that we don't have time to understand art like art is for the privileged philosophy and art is for the privileged high high art is what i mean do you think that I mean, is the case with the country i mean i wouldn't i think that would be too egoistic to say that art is for intellectuals only i think art is for everyone and artists for everyone but but the privileged get more time to delve into it yeah definitely i the think the common uh, man is too surrounded by too many problems already to think about and figure out the subtext of a film with too many layers that's well, that yeah yeah that's where you get the idea of cultural industry right hmm uh, the german philosophers theodor adorno and horkheimer they came up with this idea of the cultural industry which is basically all forms of media are just there to produce and reproduce the status quo right okay. and uh, you're not really supposed to think so you what's happening with all these films that we're watching mainstream cinema mainstream tv shows or whatever they're just reinforcing the very stereotypes the very uh basic underpinnings of our society and they're not really talking about the problems but they're not really forcing us to talk about the problems and what they're supposed to do is basically deflect us from thinking about them so the respite of turning your brain off and watching moving pictures you know mm. that is i think what you're talking about and that is something even i do it's not like i i watch art all the time i also turn my brain off i'm also reproducing the status quo you mm-hmm. know even i want to watch dumb shows sometimes i watch 
the term I, art like, is also misunderstood actually even i used it wrongly like it's it's a, it's an art to make a rohit shetty movie too to uh, it's yeah. an art to make a commercial movie too, enough, yeah. palatable movie too so what the films we are talking about are more artistically grounded uh mm-hmm. that that would be a better term i guess you no know, that's an interesting point you raise because uh, i think when you say rohit shetty you think of like all these cars flying around hmm and he action. knows how to make that movie not yeah, everyone yeah he's can. very good at it but i'm just saying your form can be mainstream your form can be very formulaic hmm. but maybe the themes that you grasp you know can be interesting a good example is john carpenter uh if you look at his films um they live basically it's it's a fantastic critique of uh, capitalist society mm-hmm. but, but it's surprisingly formulaic there's this uh, unemployed person who comes into the city mm. he's a terrible actor by the way i don't know who he is a terrible actor he has like this huge which film are you talking about though it's called they live they live yeah okay. it's fantastic Yeah, I think you should watch it once. And he basically has this mullet of a hair, <laughs> and he comes across these. Okay, I'm ruining it again. But basically, cool man, I'll watch it. Don't tell me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically, the the idea is you see when you watch They Live, mm-hmm. it's not as much the form that determines whether it's art or not. It's the themes that you cross, mm-hmm. and it's just like. kind of just like parasite right it is yeah. both for the audiences who don't like to th- parallelly think while mm-hmm. watching a film so it's a thriller it's it's a comedy then a thriller then horror and everything crime drama yeah. everything for them right it's a fun ride but also for the people who love to decode the subtext there is messaging about capitalism and so many things class divide yeah do you think that is what we are mis- missing out in indian cinema like if we talk about am is also one of the best films from uh, our country and mm-hmm. it it does have a layer of uh, adultery or extramarital affair a wife not um, like the husband is great but she gets into this thing right uh, mm-hmm. and and then the film is thrilling uh, on the surface also and there's this uh, layer that is going on beneath that but there is no global commentary or something maybe mm-hmm. i have missed out if there is something like that but there is no what i have seen is there is no commentary about a global event or uh, something about human existence or something uh, is is that where we are lacking do you think that do you agree yeah. to that first of all whatever i said about amis yeah i mean the, i think with amis it's more uh, about taboos and social conventions mm-hmm. uh, and and how violent it can become acting against them of course it's it's metaphorical but how okay. violent it can be for for your own body hmm. you know hmm. uh, trying to fight against all these conventions all these uh, rules and regulations that society lays out for you so yeah. i think ames is maybe on that level when you talk about parasite parasite is what films would aspire to maybe mm-hmm. uh, where uh, yeah it basically blends all almost all genres of film there's melodrama there's comedy there's thriller there's even action surprisingly yes <laughs> i if you count falling down the stairs is actually there is <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yes. i think parasite is like the ideal 
and uh, indian cinema uh, we sort of move between the two we we often there is no uh, commentary is what would you agree with that like with mainstream indian cinema yeah i think there is a hesitation there there is a certain hesitation and uh, more often than not for me the commentary comes across as lip service there's not a lot of conviction in it mm-hmm. so i think that's where we're lacking maybe we're not believing in our own stories as much maybe we're like looking too much to the west we're not looking inward i don't mm-hmm. know but i do think we have stories to tell and i do think we'll only get better i think this uh, online platform has sort of jolted bollywood in a way where they're mm-hmm. now running towards it we're seeing all these big actors trying to do films anurag kashyap is probably done with theaters <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's suffered enough you know and i think we could maybe in, in a few years maybe we'll have our own parasite maybe that's too hopeful but i think we could be moving towards that we're not there yet to answer your question i don't think we are mm-hmm. we're still developing true but there's a lot of potential like i'll uh, uh, cite an example of a film uh, which did very well uh, it's mm-hmm. a mainstream film uh, called shubhmangal zada savdhan so uh, yeah <laughs> that, i have to see that one yeah okay you haven't seen so there's no, no point no. discussing no no go ahead please so this, this, this film mind. is like a moral science lesson okay like okay. it's and i understand the director or the actors also said this in multiple interviews we are here just to normalize homosexuality through this film mm-hmm. Yeah. so uh it, it so do you, do you, uh, is it because of our societal structure that this is the level of understanding and so this is how we have to make a mainstream film just to normalize it there is no uh, mess matlab subtext or something we can't deal with so many things like we just we need we to make it fun we can't complicate it yeah we just need we need to make a simple palatable film and make it normal yeah yeah is uh, do my, my other industries also make such films uh because their countrymen just need to understand that this is normal i think probably earlier you maybe i i, w- I don't know because maybe. you have studied a lot of cinema that's why i'm asking you yeah maybe broke back mountain i guess okay. would be an example and uh, fastbender uh, made a lot of films hmm. so if you look at ali fieri's the soul it's actually about the problem of immigration Yes and, yes and he deals with political themes that he actually deals with them through melodramas which are supposed to be about romance and uh, personal feelings and what not and he makes them exceptionally political so his films aren't that nuanced in that sense you know mm-hmm. but if we talk about india i think maybe you know maybe maybe that is the hesitation maybe it's the fact that people won't understand and reject it that our uh, prejudices are so basic that we need to start from the ground up maybe that's the delay hmm so that is why i would welcome films like shubhmanga zyada sabha i haven't seen it hmm. i don't know how it is as a film but i really welcome the theme that it handles but then we also have Yeah I think that's it yeah Yeah you you're talking about something if you want to continue with that 
Nah, I mean, I haven't seen this film. Have you seen uh, Akshay Kumar's Lakshmi? Lakshmi? No, Bob? I haven't. No, even I. I, I stumbled upon some uh, reviews, and was not impressive. So I decided to skip. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. There's the danger of that as well. Maybe people hijacking narratives, you know, that are not so progressive, and maybe. Ch- if you are talking about from the ground up if films are hijacking these narratives and not are depicting a true picture of of the themes that they handle that could also be a danger if if our stereotypes are so basic so that's the flip side maybe of them not being nuanced is that they could also be counter productive in that sense okay fair enough maybe maybe the um, of course i presented a view of the film but do watch the film and let me know later on yeah i, I will could I will it. it might have no answers maybe i missed out maybe i have been a judgmental person while watching it <laughs> okay. so yeah uh, we have discussed a lot of things do you remember anything uh, that might have missed out in the conversation a last point that you want to add we have come to the end that's why yeah um i don't know i just think if this like goes well i would like to do more stuff with you of course of course we would yeah, be doing we that we could do something like on german cinema definitely i'm up for that and, yeah. and i i do all these podcasts only to enrich my own knowledge and uh, i have another podcast series coming up it's on satyajit ray because it, we are celebrating Ooh. 100 years of ray this yeah. year would you love to join that i and i can get you on that Yeah, I mean, sure. Charulata is my favorite. Oh, great, cool. I, I, we are planning to do the second episode. The first episode has been sh- uh, recorded already. It was on Nayak. It's going to come out very soon, and mm-hmm. the second episode is going to be on Charulata. And I'll contact you for that. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, definitely. with that, uh, we shall end today's episode. And thank you so much, Habib, for joining me. You're a lovely person, mm-hmm. and your knowledge uh, was so insightful to all of us. And uh, Uh, we will do many more episodes with you and i got to learn so many things about german cinema about uh, your perspectives on pickpocket wild strawberries and magnolia which i need to watch uh, again and again to understand better thank yeah, you f- yeah. for opening up my perspectives and exposure no, to cinema it was a delight it was a delight to talk to you as well you're a great uh, host oh my your yeah your insights are also very uh, great I I get the sense that you know more than you <laughs> uh, you know than you really you know more actually you know that's like, not true okay I I think I think you do and I think it's uh, really great that you let I mean I heard the other previous podcast as well Oh thank you so much man thank you thank you I really appreciate that you let the other people speak and you sort of trying to understand where they're coming from and yeah i i really enjoyed this and i i'm looking forward to having more of these uh, because it's very rare to be able to talk about films yes i agree that's why i started this <laughs> and in this pandemic situation you can't go out and there there is lockdown already in mumbai in a certain way and there are there is news about lockdown again in different parts of the country so this is the best way you can keep yourself energized with mm-hmm. your passion Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This was great. This made my Sunday. 
actually. <laughs> Same here. Thank you so much for doing this and all the best with your studies and also do make your film. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Same to you, man. Thank you. Have a great evening. Bye. Bye-bye.